been with us over the last few weeks if we've been in this Fear Not series? How many of y'all have been here? How many of y'all have been applying what's being taught over these last few weeks? Because here's, let me say this to you. It is not for me. It is for you. It is so that we can grow as believers. Because if there's anything I've learned in my life is that fear exists. Can I get an amen from somebody? Especially in a moment where pandemics exist. And now there's a whole bunch of new K. And I was watching the news last night. And they were like, it's, it's back. And I'm like, shut up. Like, I'm, I'm done with this. I, I get calls from the school every day telling me somebody in my school, somebody in my kid's school got the coronavirus. I, I hear it all the time. And fear lives and it, it is intertwined and woven into the fabric of our existence. But the truth is, is that God never called us to walk in fear. In fact, the word of God says to fear not. And in, in 2 Timothy, he says this, he says, he says in verse, chapter 1, verse 7, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind or self-discipline. God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has, can I just say it again? God has not given us a spirit of fear. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for you to catch that. God has not given, so if I have fear, then who do I have? I know you don't want me to go that detail. I'm pastor. I struggle with fear. I'm going to go as far as to tell you this, that if fear exists in you, faith does not. Because fear and faith can't dwell in the same house. And so if you are fearful, then faith has not conquered the fear in you, and therefore you are living by the enemy's assignment, not God's assignment. I didn't say you were demon-possessed. I didn't say you were going to hell. I said that the enemy is having his way with your existence, and you have accepted that existence. And God says, no, I need you to accept my existence in you. And so the first week, we dealt with the spirit of fear, helping you to understand that God did not give you fear. And if you call yourself a believer, then fear has to be uprooted out of your system. Here's the thing. You cannot conquer. You cannot confront fear until you understand who and what it is. Why did I say? who? Because the Bible says that fear is a spirit. Therefore, it has a persona. How many of you, when somebody irritates you, you tell them? Then why is it that we won't take the same authority to speak to fear, to tell fear where to go? No, we embrace fear. We're intimate with fear. We invite fear in. We talk about fear. We communicate fear. We walk by fear. We drop our kids off in fear. We hope they come home in fear. We let them go outside and play in fear. Come on, work with me for a second. Everything in our culture today is driven by a thought process and a communication of fear. And God says, fear not, for I am with you. And if God be for you, watch, who can be against you? At some point, you and I have to get to the place as believers that we stop communicating the enemy's assignment on our lives and start communicating the power of God that dwells on the inside of us. I am tired of watching people on a Sunday morning with their hands uplifted in worship declaring our God is unrivaled, but yet on a Monday sound like God died over the night. There is a problem when we do not line up on a Monday with what we shouted on a Sunday. There is a problem when we do not declare it on a Tuesday what we shouted on a Sunday. Why is Sunday any different than a Thursday? Why is Sunday any different than a Monday? Because we choose it to be. But pastor, if you knew what I was going through, if you knew all the struggles in my life, and if you knew the God that you supposedly serve, you wouldn't be talking like that. 
If you knew that God woke you up in the morning, breathed a fresh, brand new life into you, that his mercies are new every morning, his grace is sufficient. If you knew that he had a plan for you to prosper you, even as his soul prospers, you would wake up with abundance of joy. You'd wake up with a pep in your step. You'd wake up bouncing all over the place. But no, we got to drag ourselves like the hunchback of Notre Dame to the bathroom just to put our makeup on or just to do our hair or to get dressed. And oh, I got to go slave away to the world. What if we got up and said, you know what, God? It might look like slavery to the world, but this is an assignment for me because you dwell on the inside of me. And every place that my foot is placed is appointed and anointed by you. So as I walk, as I walk myself into work, God, I know I'm going with a purpose, not just to do my job, but on assignment that there is somebody that needs to hear your word, needs to hear your promises, needs to see you because I am proof that you are alive and well. The first week we dealt with dealing with the and exposing the persona of fear. And after that, in weeks two and three, I began to give you tools on how to conquer fear. And the first one I gave you was to seek God. I know that's kind of a crazy thing. I thought you were going to give me some sword and just to cut off the head of fear. No, because you got to seek God. Because when you seek God, you know God. Huh. When you seek God, you find him. He says, those who seek me will find me. That's the problem is we keep trying to combat fear without God. We throw God on top of fear. We don't tackle fear with God. When we get into fear, we go, oh, God, come in and deal with my fear. God says, I didn't put that fear on you. Why did you pick it up? I didn't call you to walk in that. But now you want me to come be the sugar daddy to your problems. You want me to come in and fix your stuff real fast because that's what we do God now. Come on, work with me for a second. We, we communicate the greatest to God in the middle of a problem, not in the middle of the promise. Work with me for a second. I was talking to somebody just the other day, and he said, he said, he said, Brian, he said, I, I don't know why I walked away from God. He said, well, maybe I do. He said, all the things started working out for me, and I started to realize that maybe I was doing it. And then now I've lost everything, and now I'm realizing that I walked away from God because I thought I had everything under control and setting, letting him have everything in control. And I got to get my life right now, and, and I don't know where to start. And we, we were just talking for a few minutes, but it's because he stopped seeking God. And we've got to get part back to a place of seeing God. What does that mean? I, there's a thing called your Bible. That is not an ornament to your body when you come to church. It is the living, breathing word of God. If you want to seek God, crack this thing open and see what it says about you. Over 370 promises towards you as a believer. 370. Do you understand how many promises that is? Your own spouse can't give you that many promises in this lifetime. 370 committed eternal promises that God has for you, yet we don't even know half of them. And the reason we don't have it is because we haven't taken the time to seek God. What does the word say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all of these things will be added to you. The problem is, is we go, God, add all these things to me, then I'll seek you. Give me what I want, then I'll give you what you want. But until you give me what I want, I'm not giving you what you want. God says, until you seek me, you'll not find me. Until you seek me, I can't give to you. So seek me first. So the first week we dealt with seek God. Psalms 34 verse 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. So am I safe to say that when I seek God, my fears go away? Okay, let me give you another thought of it. Uh, the Bible says, those whose mind is stayed upon him shall be in perfect peace. In order for your mind to be in perfect peace and stayed upon him means you sought him. Therefore, the pain and the fear left you. How can you think about the fear when you're sitting in the presence of Jehovah? Okay. So last week, I gave you the second part, the second tool, and that was to trust God. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2 says this, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. I will what? 
I will trust. How many of y'all have issues with trust? Some of y'all ain't going to answer me right now. That's okay. It's all right. I have issues at moments. Amen. I, I, we all, I, we've all struggled with this at moments. He says, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. So not only does seeking God break fear in my life, but trusting God removes the dependency upon myself and others. Therefore, how could I fear? Watch, says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For yea, the Lord is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. You understand that what you're declaring here is that everything in your life is attached to God, not attached to man. I've learned something that a lot of our fears are attached to people, not to the Father. They're attached to what people have done to us. Fears in our lives are attached to what we hear others do to other people. Come on, watch the news for one day and you'll get fear real fast. You'll find out this person got abducted. This person's got corona. This person got shot. This thing happened. Um, we're, we're never leaving our house. We're going to live in our bubble forever. Right? And, and when we shut ourselves down and we close ourselves away and we don't understand why we're stuck. And we're stuck because somebody said something. I said this last week, and I want to say it to you again. One of my favorite verses in Scripture is when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and, and, and they had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the Bible says that their eyes were open, and they went and uh, took fig leaves and created clothing and covered themselves. And then God started to walk in the cool of the garden and started to call out for Adam and Eve. And he's calling out Adam, Adam, Eve, where are you? Adam and Eve, where are you? And finally, when God got real close to him, Adam popped up out the bushes and says, here we are. And God goes, what are you doing? He goes, we hid because we were naked. And God responds with this amazing statement that I think is missed so many times in Scripture. He said, who told you you were naked? Which tells me that the majority of the decisions we make in our existence, even though God is in the garden with us, the decisions that we make a lot of times in our lives are based on what others speak to us, what others tell us. And we move based on being in the moment and being important and relevant to people rather than being the believers that God has called us to be. Had Adam, and I'm going to say this to you because everybody wants to tell me all the time that it was Eve's fault. Let me say this to you. Had Adam been leading his household, Eve wouldn't have ate the apple. Now, I know that's unpopular teaching and men don't get mad at me and want to shoot me down later. But here's the truth of it. We don't teach this. This is not popular teaching in the church anymore. We don't teach this in the church. We want to put it, we want the women to wear the pants. No, stop it. Men, take your place. Be the fathers of your children and be the husbands to your wives that God's called you to be. The priests and kings of your home. I'm not trying to get on a sidebar, but I got to deal with this. Listen, there'd be greater marriages and women would be less afraid of being left if men would step up. My wife on the front. Amen. So man who finds a wife finds a good thing. Amen, Paul. Amen, Paul. Y'all saw Paul's face. Paul's like, a good thing. Those are the newlyweds over there. Amen. Paul's turning red. You just can't see it yet. Amen. It, it, it's time. It, it's time. We got to break the spirit of fear. How do I teach my daughters not to be fearful of a broken marriage if we don't fix marriage? Hmm. If we don't start having godly marriages instead of worldly marriages and put them in the church. Did you know the highest divorce rate in, is in the church, not in the world? The highest divorce rate is in the church. In the church. There's more divorcees in the church than there is outside the church. Y'all know this is a problem, right? And now we're creating fear to now I've got two little girls that I'm sure at some point we'll go, well, what if he, nuh-uh. Because, baby, I'm not going to let anybody that doesn't love God love you. 
Hello, because it ain't love. All right, sidebar. I'm getting off on my daddy moments. All right, got to stop that. So this week, I want to give you your third tool. This is my last part to this series. I'd love for you to go back and listen to the other three on the website or the app. You can go and listen to them. You can go watch them. You can download them. You can run with them. You can walk with them. Whatever you want to do, go back and listen to them. I already give you the last tool. You ready? Come on. Are you ready? Y'all know this is interactive church. Y'all know how I do around here, right? Here it comes. This week, I want to give you the third, the last tool in this walk of confronting and conquering fear. And here it comes. Declare God. Hmm, here it comes. After we seek God, after we trust God, we now walk in the boldness to declare God. You cannot declare what you do not know. You cannot declare what you do not trust. Here's the problem. If we do not get to a point where we speak it, then we don't believe it. Because what you believe, you speak. Watch this. What you hear, you believe. What you believe, you say. What you say, you hear. What you hear, you believe. What you believe, you say. I'll never forget years ago, I had a, I had a young lady in the church that, that was here, and, and she said, Pastor, you know, every time I go to work, I'm just depressed, and, and I don't know why I get in my car and I'm driving to work, and I'm just depressed, and, and I, don't, I just don't understand. And I said, well, can I ask you a question? She said, yeah. I said, what, what music do you listen to on the way to work? So I said, let's, let's go to your car. I want to hear what you got on your, on, your, on, your DVD, on your CD player. So we turn it on, and it's like, hey, baby, I'm sorry I left you. And it's all this music in the background, and I'll never, I'll never run out on you again. I, I, I know why you're depressed now. I figured it out because you're putting the wrong stuff in, and whatever you put in is going to come out of you. I get what you're depressed about. I know why you're crying. I'd be crying, too, if I had to wake up to hear that mess every morning. Getting in the car, look at my wife. Baby, I love you. Get in the car. Hey, baby, I'm sorry. I love ah! No, this is what we do. We put stuff in, and we don't expect it to come out. Listen, whatever you hear, you believe. Whatever you believe, you say. And whatever you say, you hear. you got to get your mouth to start speaking so your ears can hear. Stop whispering and start declaring. Yeah. Oh, God, you're, you're my refuge and my salvation. Man, the sand didn't even hear you say that. The dirt didn't even believe you when that came out of your mouth. You got to get something bold on the inside of you and say, The Lord is my light and my salvation. In him will I trust. Wow, now all of a sudden I heard that. I went, Ooh, I want to say it again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. In him will I trust. Whoa, I want to say it. See, now all of a sudden my body starts moving, and I'm not moving backwards. I'm not going, Oh, God, I'm going to die. I'm going, Man, we're going to go forward. I might just jump off the stage in a minute. But I don't want to break an ankle today. Amen. That's not fear. That's wisdom. The Bible says wisdom is a principal thing, so hold yourself. Amen. After we seek God, after we trust God, we now have to walk in the boldness to declare God. Not just to declare who he is in our circumstances, which we're really good at. Declaring who he is in our circumstances and our situations, but who we are in him. Do you know who you are in Christ? Uh, quiet in this Presbyterian church. What? Do you know who you are? Not what the promise is. The promise is eternal life. The promise is salvation. The promise is life after this one is over. The promise is to enter into heaven and to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful. That's the promise. But do you know who you are in him now? Because let me help you with something. The misery of your existence only comes because you do not know who you are and whose you are now. Listen, there's no such thing as broke in God's economy. 
Oh, y'all getting little. Look at me like I'm dumb right now. I'm broke. No, you're not. The only reason you're broke is because you put him on the curb. <laughs> because financial brokenness is not brokenness. But we go, I'm broke. I'm broke. No, you are not broke. You serve a God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills, who has streets paved of gold, who owns everything. Are you kidding me? Years ago, I was young. I was traveling, and we were ministering. Uh, I think it was in Seattle, and I'd gone to a pastor's church, and, and we were ministering there. And, and uh, that afternoon, we went to P.F. Chang's. It was my first time ever going to P.F. Chang's. I'd never heard of P.F. Chang's before. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and so, so we went to P.F. Chang's for lunch. And I called because in Seattle, it was packed. It was, it was a Sunday. It was packed. There was a waiting line of like two hours. So I called, and I said, hey, uh, I was calling to see what, what the timeline is of getting into, uh, into P.F. Chang's. And she's like, sir, I'm sorry, it's two-hour wait. I said, listen, uh, I'm trying to get in. We, we've got to run to the airport. Is there any way we can get in? And I said, and I, and I was stupid. I was young. I was kind of courageous, a little more crazy than I am today. And I, and I just told the young lady, I said, um, ma'am, if you knew who my father was, you'd go ahead and give me a seat. <laughs> and all the guys in the car were going, you did not just say that. I'm like, try it. It might work. She says, uh, hold on, Mr. Dean. I'll, I'll be right back with you. She comes back and said, Mr. Dean, can you be here in 10 minutes? I said, we'll be here in five. She says, I have a table waiting for you and your party as soon as you get in the door. I still don't know what they thought. <laughs> really don't care. All I know is I ate my PF chains, made it to the airport, and flew out of town. Amen. And it was good to be found at PF chains that afternoon. Amen. But here's my thing, though. Why is it that we're so afraid that, listen, we'll declare God when we have a problem. Wait, 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 do, when you get a close parking spot, do you tell God thank you? Do you know that God gave you that spot? And when he doesn't give you the close spot, do you believe that God didn't give you that spot? Because maybe he needed you behind a walk? God, I got, this, I got this leg pain. Yeah, but I put you in the back of the parking lot so you could walk it out. Maybe I wanted to speak to you between that parking space and the front door to get your heart right so you stop believing and declaring your pain and start declaring my promises. But God, I just, God, why won't you give me a front parking space? Lazy. Stop it. I used to be this way. I used to get mad because I'd get the far parking spot. Now I'm like, bro, shut up and go walk, man. You ain't going to die. It's not over for you. Get up and be happy you got two legs. It'll carry you behind into the store. Walk. Okay, anyway. So, so now we got to start declaring God, I got so much in me this morning. The, the, word def, the definition of the word declare states this. To make known or state clearly. Hello. There's a lot of fogginess in the church today. To make known or state clearly. To announce officially or proclaim. To state emphatically. Emphatically. That means you know that you know that you know that you know that you know without any wavering on the inside of you. I know that I know that I know. To manifest. Oh, here it comes. So you mean declaring doesn't mean me just speaking, but it also means to manifest, to reveal, or to show. In other words, you saying it is not enough. You have to demonstrate it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So we go back into that song at the end of worship. And all of a sudden, here comes Megan and Leslie. We're going up the front. We're going to worship. Why? Because singing the song wasn't enough. I'm going to show it. And I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for him. 
this is the difference. See, here's what happens. When you go from trusting, seeking God to trusting God to declaring God, now all of a sudden you are left with an assignment. That not just you speak it, but you show it. Does the world see God in you? Or do they have to know you go to church to hope that they can see it in you? Does the world know that Christ dwells in you? Are you a reflection of him? Or do you spend more time talking about the church you attend on Sundays? Because here's the truth. If they saw God on you on Monday through Saturday, they might just come to, come to you to church, come with you to church on Sunday. Pastor, I've been inviting them. They won't come. Can I just say this? I'm not saying this for everybody. But can I just say this? Before you get mad that they're not coming with you on a Sunday, find out if you're demonstrating God Monday through Saturday. Because people want to follow a sure thing, not a half portion of a thing. They want to see if you really are who you say you are. And so if you declare God on a Sunday, baby, you better be able to leave it on a Monday. You better be able to reveal it and show it on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, on a Friday, on a Saturday. Because if you don't, then all they're going to say is, you're one of those. You're just one of those. You're, a, you're an attender in a room, but you're not sold out. But you want me to give up my life. You want to you pray the sinner's prayer with me. You want me to give my life to Christ, but you haven't committed yours yet. Seek God. Trust God. Declare God. I believe that the majority of fear that operates in our lives is because we have no idea who we are in him. It is a great thing to believe in a God that can save you from your sins, deliver you from the pit of hell, and give you everlasting life. But did you know that he has a promise for you now? A promise for you today. Can I just say this as a sidebar real quick? And I didn't write this in my notes, but I probably should have. Can we stop serving God because we don't want to go to hell? Can, can we please stop going to church and worshiping God and reading his word because we just don't want, because we're afraid we might go to hell? Well, if I don't do this, I'm going to go to hell, so I got to do this. No, that is not the way God wrote this thing. That is not, it says the love of God is what draws man to repentance. It's not the fear. Now, there is a fear and awe and trembling in God. But y'all remember ever growing up in the church and you heard that statement at an altar call? It says, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? And you've ever heard those? And you ran to the altar. You're like, I don't want to go to hell. So you ran to the altar. God, I'm giving my life. The problem is, is when you went home, went to bed, got back up the next morning, you were still alive. You didn't stay with him because all it was so you didn't go to, go to hell tonight. As opposed to finding a relationship with God that says, you know what, tomorrow morning I'm going to continue to build on that relationship. Tomorrow morning, next morning, I'm going to continue to build on that relationship. Why? Because I want a greater relationship with him. I'm not afraid of hell. I'm accepting heaven. Watch what I just said. Because I believe that the church today talks more about the devil than we do about God. You go to people, how are you? Oh, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. How much authority does the devil have in your life? How much have you given him? You keep declaring, can I just say it, dumb statements. Oh, the devil. Oh, God, the devil's in my back. The devil's in my bones. The devil, devil's attacking my marriage. No, you're just not taking care of your marriage. You're not being a good steward of your marriage. Pastor, the devil, he, he's a, oh, I mean, I've been in the hospital. People are like, oh, Pastor, we believe it's a Simon of the devil. Do you understand who I am? Do you understand whose I am? Do you understand my Bible says I'm the righteousness of God? The Bible says a thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. It didn't say sickness wouldn't come. It just said plagues. Plagues kill. He said death can't take you, Brian, because you're mine. 
So when people come and go, Pastor, I believe your heart thing was an attack from the devil. No, that's called 40 years of not taking care of Brian. And it paid. And I had to go through a situation. Pastor, I think the gallbladder thing is, oh, it's the devil. He just doesn't want you to. No. Sis had a stone in my gallbladder. Pastor, I believe your back problems are a sign from there. No. I got speared in the spine in high school. No. I got stuff. But the devil doesn't get the victory for my stuff. Can I just say this to you? Tomorrow morning when you wake up and you got a little ache and pain in your body, Shut up. <laughs> Unless you are going to declare God, yeah. shut it. Yeah. <laughs> You'll feel it coming, shut it down. <laughs> hmm, just bite your tongue, whatever you got to do. No, whatever, like jump around, I don't care. Shut your mouth because watch what happens. Did you know that you declare your day by the first thing that comes out of your mouth? So when I put my feet on the ground and I say my body hurts, Father, I thank you for today. I don't know what all that's about, but I trust you, and I know I'm going to walk with you through the day. There's no pain you can't take care of. So I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go to the bathroom and get in my shower and get dressed and get through my day. You know what's amazing? When I do that, all the pain seems to subside. Because those whose mind is stayed upon him shall be in perfect peace. But when I declare the things of God over my life, the enemy can't have authority in my life. And so I tell the enemy where he can go and fear now leaves. And I don't have to be worried about high blood pressure and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Hey, God, I'm good. Because if you choose to take me through this day, I know where I end up. See, fear only comes when you're not sure where you're headed. I'll let that one sit for you for just a second. It's a great thing to believe in God, that God can save you from your sins, deliver you from the pit of hell, and give you everlasting life. But he has a promise for you right now. The greatness of God is not just found in his eternal promise, but also in the life he desires for you to have today. Do you think God created you for fear? No. I got one no. One. Some of y'all still wondering. I don't know. When, if you ask me, Pastor, did God create? No. I'm not even going to let you finish the sentence. Because I'm just going to tell you ahead of I'm not sure. Pastor, ask the question again. So let me, let me try it again for those of you that are a little slow in that movement. You ready? Do you think God created you to fear? Okay. Do you think God created you to fall under the pressure of fear? No, because his word says in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Can I just say this to you? Stop swatting his hand away. Stop it, God. Don't touch me. Don't do it. God says, okay, go ahead and fear then. Here's the great part about God. God's going, quick, keep swatting me. Watch what I'm going to let you do. Enjoy the ride. Call me when you're ready. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you, but he's going to let you walk through it. But here's the great part about God. Every step you take into that valley, he's one step behind you, waiting for you to turn around and go, okay, God, I get it. Look what he says. Look, how can you not get excited when you read this? Fear not, for I am with you. So if I'm fearing, then he's not with me. No, you've turned your back on him. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Therefore, weakness is not an option in your existence. I will help you. That means you are not going to die in this thing. I will uphold you. He will pick you up with his righteous right hand. That's like a power statement right there. But you were like, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. He says in John 10, 10, he says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Let me just say this to you real quick. I don't know if you understand this. That the enemy does not have authority over you. 
The Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The only thing that the enemy can steal, kill, and destroy in your life is your dreams and visions. And the Bible says without a vision, the people perish. He cannot steal what he did not create. He cannot kill what he did not form. Stop giving him access to things he has no part of. You're inviting, you're inviting a heart doctor into a toe problem. Stop it. Stop inviting somebody who has no business in your stuff into your existence. Stop letting him in. Oh, the enemy. No, he's not. He doesn't have the authority unless you've given up your dreams and visions to him. Because without a vision, you die. You will die without a vision. The difference between wanting that life and living that life falls within what you choose to declare. This is a scripture I want to get to for just a few minutes. No, I'm not done yet, so get over it. Proverbs 18, 21 says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. Did you know that fear has no power? It has no life until it is declared out of your mouth. Mm, some of y'all are going with, no, I thought about fear, pastor, therefore it has power. Uh-uh. God thought about a lot of things, but until he spoke, it didn't exist. Fear has no power. It has no life until it's declared out of your mouth. It is only a thought or an imagination that lacks substance without being spoken. Think about it. It does not become a reality till it falls off the tip of your tongue. As long as it is not spoken, it has no life. You want me to prove that point to you? Good. I'm glad you want me to do that. Do you understand that everything in this world was created by a word? God formed the atmosphere, the earth, the planets, the solar system, everything by a word. It wasn't by a thought. It wasn't like, hmm. (laughs) He said in his word, let there be and there was. Now, could you imagine this for a second? If you, because you have Christ dwelling on the inside of you, would approach every day that same way. So when you got up tomorrow morning, hey, God, let there be whatever. And there was. Because you have enough faith to believe that the one who dwells in you is the same one who formed the stars, the cosmos, the earth, the planets, everything, man, woman, animals, the garden, the the. the trees, the fields of grass, everything. God had the power to do that. And he did it with the word. And he says, that same spirit now dwells in me. Fear has no root till it is spoken. Till it is uttered out of your mouth. You might have a thought, but the Bible says that you can cast down every imagination that exalts itself above the father. You can cast a thought down, but once it is spoken, it exists. They said something, uh, they, they, were, they were doing this science thing. And, and I love science. I love, love seeing when scientists are baffled by what the word spoke for the last 2,000 years. And they're going, we don't understand. I'm like, dummy, just read the book. You'll find out. Okay, so they, they found a, they keep finding planets, right? They keep finding new things in the solar system. We never saw this thing before. It's not because they've never gone that far. It's because when God spoke the universe into existence, the word just kept going. Why do you think that God could speak over generations 2,000 years ago and it'd still be on you? Because whatever he spoke continues. Okay, why is it that they found molecules in the atmosphere that when broken down, they are sound waves? Hello. Uh, you can go research it later. It'll mess with you really big. Why is it those things exist? Because when the thing is spoken, it exists forever. The moment you speak it, it's out there. Whatever you speak, you create. It's not one of those weird, weird new age things. Well, if I, if I speak a Bentley, I'm going to get a Bentley. No, dummy. You're not going to get a Bentley because you probably don't have Bentley money. 
Amen. Okay, you cannot speak money into your pocket. That's just dumb. That name it, claim it foolishness the church used to do. Well, if you, if you claim a million dollars, you're going to get it. No, you're not. The Bible says he gives you the power to obtain wealth. Those are innovative and creative ideas that he gives you that's going to require your behind to work. Because the Bible says a man who doesn't work doesn't eat. So we don't sit around and go, oh, God, rain down manna from heaven. Listen, he rained down manna because they were in the desert for 40 years, Jack. You're just mad because you woke up a little tired this morning and don't feel like going to work. God rained down manna. God's going, no, get your lazy behind up and go to work. Go earn the money so you can provide for your family. Be a good steward of what I gave you. Amen. Okay. Praise God. Another sidebar. Amen. <sighs> Death and life are in the power of your tongue. Everything was created by a word. The same declarative power that the breath that the breath of God had formed everything, and that breath is still in you. Watch what Job chapter 33 says. The Spirit of God has made me. Here it comes. And the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Now watch. The Bible says that he formed man by breathing life into them. Without man, he could not have made woman. That doesn't mean some kind of weird sexist moment or feminist moment. No. He made man and he formed woman from the rib of man. Had he not breathed life into man, woman would have never been formed. Therefore, the same breath that was in Adam then became in Eve. Okay, got it? So it's not man did it. It's God did it with man. Okay. So the spirit of God that he breathed, that, that breath that he breathed into Adam and Eve also exists in me. It's the same breath of life he gave to us when we came out of our mother's womb. Okay. Fear is only in your thoughts until it is spoken and then it has life. It has your life because it has your breath on it. I'm going to rewind and let that slip one more time. Fear is only in your thoughts until it is spoken and then it has life. It has your life on it because it has your breath. Because what you have done is traded out God's breath in you for your breath and breathe life into fear. You have breathed into fear. And you and I have to stop breathing life into fear. You have to stop. We have to stop speaking by fear. You cannot move by faith if you speak by fear. How many of y'all ever have a struggle with faith? Come on, there's moments we have struggles with faith. If you're struggling with faith, it's because you have put breath into fear. You have breathed life into fear. God gave you the breath of life, and what you breathe on gives life. So if you breathe on fear, you're going to allow fear to operate in your existence. And you get freaked out and frustrated and upset because you understand why you're stuck. You're stuck in it because you keep talking about it. Stop talking about it. Shut up, please. When my kids walk in the room, like, like my daughter, when she broke her arm, when she was doing tumbling and she broke her arm, and she's like, Dad, I broke my arm. I'm like, okay. Let's go to the hospital. Let's get it set. Dad, oh my gosh, what's it going to do? You're going to be fine. I, the whole time I'm sitting in the hospital, with her, hope you're going to be fine. But Dad is starting to hurt. I know. They're going to set it. They're going to give you a little medicine. You're going to go night-night. You'll sleep on the way home. You'll wake up tomorrow morning with a cool cast on your arm. Praise God. But, but, but what about the future? What about the future? We serve a God who will restore. So he'll restore greater strength to that bone, and you'll go back and do it again. 
Now she's back and tumbling all over again. And the first time she went, I don't want to break my arm. You're not going to break your arm. And if you break your arm, we'll go back to the hospital. We know how to do it already. <laughs> but we don't, we don't, well, oh, oh, baby, I know, I know. Let's, let's go back to your room. Let's hide out. Let's stay away from the rest of the world. My daughter, I told you last week, jumped into a trampoline pit, bent her feet over the top of her head. She's scorpion, like that. Knocked the wind out of her system. She's laying in the foam pit. I'm jumping in, get her back out. Five minutes later, I'm like, you going to do it again? Oh, I'm going to do it again. Yeah, you are. You're going to do it again. Dad, I don't want to do it again. I want to. No, you got to do it again because when you hurt yourself or when you are afraid of something, you get back up and you knock it out again because God didn't call you to go whimper off into a corner and die. He called you to step back forward and take it on headstrong. So she gets up there and does a flip. She looks at me, she goes, can I do it again? Yes, you can. <laughs> well, why? Because this is what we got to do. This is who we should be. You get a car wreck. I'm never going to drive again. No, dummy. You're going to get your car fixed and get back on the road. And you're going to drive again. Yeah. You're not going to, listen, what? Mm. We're, we're, we live by fear because we're afraid of death. Yeah. Or afraid of losing. Or afraid of missing out. And God says, come on, work with me for a second. Work with me for a second. In me, you have everything. So the only reason you're stuck in that is because you've forgotten the fact that in me you have everything. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. It is time for our mouths to match our walk. Please, if I can say anything as a pastor, if I can beg you in this moment, if I could get on my knees and cry out and you would hear me, listen, can our mouths match our walk? Can what we speak match where we're going rather than having to tell our mouth to catch up where our feet want to go? Because your feet don't give you life. Your feet carry the life that God placed on the inside of you. Your hands don't give you life. Your hands cause you to do the life that God put on the inside of you. It is your mouth that creates something great. Stop speaking death over your life. But Pastor, you don't know my story. And you don't know his promise. And you haven't grabbed a hold of it yet. Because you keep talking about what you don't have, and I can tell you all the things you do have. I can tell you what God did for you and where he's brought you from. And how you don't have to be the same way anymore. But you want to keep playing this game because it's easier to be broken than it is to be whole. It's easier to have a problem than it is to have a promise. It's easier to need saving than live with a Savior. Hmm. Because as long as I need saving, I can tell you how broke I am. As long as I'm broken, I can, I can make excuses for my poor behavior. So I'll just make excuses so everybody just feels bad for me because I'd rather sympathy than salvation. I'd rather be in pain. Pastor, that's a really good word, but I'm going to go back home and crawl in my bed and be depressed. Pastor, can you preach a good word for the saints on Wednesday Sunday? No. Can't. Promise doesn't lie in football. Amen. I like football a lot, but my promise doesn't lie in it. Promise lies in my declaration. It lies in, listen, you can scream at the TV all day long. It doesn't mean they're going to play better. Amen. I, I screamed at them. They heard me. No, they didn't. I promise. I promise you they, they didn't hear you. My, 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 my dad was a very strong Cowboys fan growing up as a kid, and he would scream at the television. And I remember one day, I was probably 18 years old, and I looked at him one day, and I said, you do realize they can't hear you. He politely told me to leave the living room. Amen. <laughs> and continued to yell at the television. Amen. It's time for our mouths to match our walk. We must take control of our mouth and allow it to be a tool for his glory, not a tool of our defeat. It must become a tool of deliverance from fear and not an escort into the depths of it. But in order for us to break the fear, this 
new thing, this new tool, we have to do on a daily basis. We have to speak this thing on a daily basis. And so I want to give you something real quick. And Pastor Ben, if you'll come uh, and go ahead and just get on the keys because it's going to get exciting. And and if they don't yell, I'll just yell louder. Amen. Amen. Because I'm going to read to you a sheet that I found years ago. I've had this thing for the last 15 years. And this is something that I keep in my computer. I keep it on my iPad. I keep it everywhere with me because sometimes I have to be reminded who I am. Can I help you something? Stop telling God who he is. He already knows. God, you're this. God, you're that. God, you're this. God, you're that. How about you start finding out who you are? See, I, I started to wonder that. Why is it we always want to tell God who he is? He is omnipotent. He is all-knowing, all-seeing, omnipresent. There's nothing he doesn't know. The only thing that's lacking is what we know. So watch this. According to this and this is just, this isn't everything, but this is just part of it. According to this, I am God's possession, according to Genesis chapter 17 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I am God's child, according to John chapter 1, verse 12. I am his workmanship. I am his friend. I am his temple. I am his vessel. I am a co-laborer. I'm a witness. I'm a soldier. I'm an ambassador. I'm a building. I'm a husbandry. I'm a minister, I'm an instrument, I'm chosen, I'm beloved, I'm precious. I'm his heritage. Stop right there. If that doesn't do something inside of you, I'm just through like, what, 15 of these? I've probably got 75 on this page. Just right there. How can you operate in fear when you understand this? Wait, hold on. Because of Christ, I have been redeemed by the blood. Set free from sin and condemnation. Set free from Satan's control. Set free from Satan's kingdom. Chosen before the foundation of the world. Predestined to be like Jesus. Forgiven of all of my trespasses. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Given a sound mind. Given the Holy Spirit. Adopted into God's family. Justified freely by His grace. Given all things pertaining to life. Given great and precious promises. Given ministry of reconciliation. Authority over the power of the enemy. Access to God. And have been given wisdom. You catching this yet? Watch this. Where'd your fear go? Because the more I do this, you are not thinking about where your fear is. This is why we have to know who we are. Because when fear comes, tell the enemy, hey, I need you to remind you something real quick. Let me tell you who I am. Wait, wait, hold on. I'm not, I'm not even through the first column yet. Because of Christ, I am complete in him. Free forever from sin's power. Sanctified. I am used for the master's use, loved eternally, internally kept in the palm of his hand, kept from failing. I'm going to let that one sit for a second. Kept by the power of God, not condemned, one with the Lord, on my way to heaven, quickened by his mighty power, seated in heavenly places, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Your word even says you're a lender, not a borrower. Can I just take a sidebar here real quick? I said some really bold junk last week about a house. Did y'all catch that? God said, you pray for it, I'll give it to you. And I put it out there. My wife looked at me like this. Okay, all right. I'm holding you to it. You can't hold me to it because I'm holding God to it. Y'all, y'all missing this because we don't want to go that far. We don't want to say that. I'm not going to say that. No, say it. Jesus, help us. 
I thought it was funny last week. Kirk was up here. He had a boldness up in him. He said, take your mask off. Y'all, some of y'all, I was dying laughing while I was standing up here. Can I just show you what y'all did? This was funny. We talked about it in staff meeting on Tuesday because I saw it. Kirk didn't see it, but I saw it. Some of y'all like this. Y'all like. That's how I feel sometimes when Kirk talks to me too. Amen. That the police officer rises. My bad, bro. My bad. Don't, don't tase me. All right. Okay, you ready? You ready? I got to give you some more. In Christ, I am light in darkness. A candle in the dark place, city set on a hill, salt of the earth, his sheep, a citizen of heaven, hidden with Christ in God, protected from the evil one, kept by the power of God, secure in Christ, set on a rock, more than a conqueror, born again, a victor, healed by his stripes, covered by the blood of Jesus, sheltered under his wing, hidden in the secret place of the Almighty. Hold on. In Christ, here it comes. God, that's when I get pumped. I'm going to try not to shout. I have access to the Father. Can I just add one? I'm not an orphan. I have a home in heaven waiting for me. Can you, good God. I have all things in Christ. I have a living hope, an anchor to my soul. A hope that is sure and steadfast. Authority to tread on the serpent. Power to witness the tongue of the learned. The mind of Christ. Boldness in access. Peace with God. Faith is a grain of a mustard seed. In Christ, I cannot be separated from God's love. cannot be perished or lost. I cannot be moved. I cannot be taken from my Father's hand. I cannot be a charged or accused. I cannot be a condemned. But this is what I can do. I can do all things through Christ. I can find mercy and grace to help me. I can come boldly before the throne room of grace. I can quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. I can tread upon the serpent's head. I can declare liberty to the captives. I can pray always and everywhere. I can chase a thousand. I can defeat and overcome the enemy. And I can tread Satan under my foot. Because of who I am in Christ and what dwells on the inside of me, all I got to do is open up my mouth and declare him more than I declare my problems. Stay where you are, everybody. Stand to your feet. God. Do you get anything out of this? Don't go home, turn on the football game, and try to declare God at the football game. Don't do it. Your team's probably playing like garbage if you're yelling that anyway, so just let them, let them lose. They need a loss. I love, I love what Sean Payton did after they lost against the Raiders. He made them stay one more night. He said, we're not flying home. He said, y'all going to sit here and think about this sucker for a second. I was like, that's, that's, that's cool right there. I like that. Stop using God to declare your wants and use God to declare his wants in you. Oh, God, if you would just do this. And God's going, but if you just do this. 
you want me to do that, but I, I can't get you to do this. Here's why this is so important to me as a pastor. Because I am done with your feel goods on a Sunday. I want your life to be changed on a Monday. And I can't do it for you. You have to get off your blessed assurance and do it yourself. You got to pick yourself up. Pick up your bed of afflictions. And like Jesus said to them, said, rise and walk. You notice they didn't go, but God, you just, why can't I just leave it? I just, he said, no, pick it up. Why did he tell them to carry their beds? So that the world would see that they were no longer who they thought they were. Because of one moment with Christ, they had been changed like that. That bed was a defining space so that people could see they were not who they once were. How will you leave this place today? Will you go out changing your vocabulary? Or will you just say, Pastor, that was a good message? Let, let me say this to you. And I'm going to say this very boldly. This might offend. Really don't care at this point because I can't care about this moment. If all you want to hear is a good message, there's a lot of great preachers on TV. Stay home. Because a shepherd's heart is not for you to stay in the same field when the grass is gone, but to carry you to another field so that you can keep feeding and keep feeding and keep feeding and keep feeding and keep feeding so that you can be changed. Not so that I can feel good about standing under these lights and preaching the gospel, but so that your life can be radically changed. Because here's what God tells me. When my life is over, he doesn't care what I preached. He cares about what I told you to do with him, not what to do in this house. So if all you want is good preaching, stay home. Sip your coffees. Hang out in your robes. But if you want to be changed, get in the house of God. Forsake not the gathering of the brethren in one accord. Let's grow together. Let's be strengthened together. Let's declare God together. And let me take it one step further. If you know somebody in this house and in this family is hurting or going through something, do not pray your stupid prayers from a, a sideline. Call them and declare the word of God over them. Listen, I know you're going through something, but the word of God says this over you. And I want to bring the word of God to you because that is my responsibility as a brother and as a sister in Christ to bring God to you in your moments of despair and to help you to see that God has not failed you. He has not quit on you. He has not walked away from you. He is holding you. And I know this might be a tight moment, but baby, if you just hold on to his unchanging hand, that old song, put your hand in the hand of the man that walks on water. If you just grab a hold of his hand and walk, you might not like where he's leading you, but I promise you, if you just hang on, he'll get you to the other side. We are done listening in the church. It is time to do in the church. It is time to become what God's purposed us to be, what he's called and created us to be. And if we refuse to, we are not refusing our assignment. We're refusing God himself. This is not about what I want. This is about what God has been trying to get out of you the whole time. He has been believing for your tongue to be loosed. Here's what I want to do first. I got to do this two pieces real quick. If you're in this place, you say, Pastor, I want to receive Christ. I need Christ in my life. I got to start there. Salvation has to be mine. Today, I want to, I want to, I want to pray the prayer of salvation. I want to give my life to him. If that's you, we just simply raise your right hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I want to give my life to Christ. I got one. I got two. Anybody else? Three. Come on. I know you're in here. Four, five. That's all right. Maybe, maybe you've never received Christ. Maybe you have and you've walked away or you're not doing it right. That's all right. God's not mad at you. God says, I see you. Do you think God didn't see you before today? He saw you. This is not a surprise to him. 
This is a celebration for him. Come on, raise your hand. That's, that's me, Pastor. I'm a, come on, wave it at me. That is me. Come on. I look, I'm a sinner. I mean, I, boy, I sinned a lot back in the day. Amen. That was me. Okay. Here's the great part about it. God loves you. And the Bible says that nothing can separate you from the love of God. And it is the love of God that draws man to repentance. Listen, it wasn't my preaching that drew you to raise your hand. It's that feeling on the inside that says, I need a better relationship with him. And I want to walk with him. And I want to talk with him. And I want to feel him. And I want to know him. And I want, to, I want him to embrace me. And I want to embrace him. That's great. That's what he wants. That's the relationship he desires. So those of you who raise your hand, I'm going to pray this prayer. But we're going to pray it as a family. Say this with me. Say, Father, today I give you my life. And I ask that you come dwell in me. God. I know, I understand that you sent Jesus to die on an old rugged cross so that I might be saved and live in eternity with you. So today, I receive that promise. I receive the promise of the blood of the Lamb. And I ask you to receive me into your arms of grace. Today, you are my Father. And I and your kid, in Jesus' name, amen. Done just like that. Come on, done just like that. Okay. Now, this, this is my last piece because I, 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 know it's, I know it's late. Football game starting in four minutes. Football ain't going to get you into heaven. Amen. Get over it. Take your hand. Put it over your mouth. Pastor, I might as well just put my mask back on. Well, you could have. If I told you to declare God with your, no, don't, 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 this is not putting your hand over your mouth. Put your hand over your mouth. If I told you right now to declare God, if I told you right now to declare God, you'd be like, I can't. I'm covered. This is the assignment of the enemy. I've been trying to shut you up. And we go through life and go, I can't say that. I can't say it. But you can say it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If I say declare God with your mouth, I'm covered over your mouth. You really want to declare? No, you, everything in you wants to go. You want to pull your hand down. Because you know in your mind and in your heart, I can't talk if my mouth is covered. So remove your hand. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you trust God, if you seek God, then declaring God is very easy. And so what I want you to do is I want you to walk out of this place going, I'm not going to be quiet anymore. I'm done being silent. Everybody's in trouble now. My mouth's about to become a mouthpiece. Nobody's going to shut up. And I'm not going to declare that that weird cliche hyperbole that the church wants to throw around. I'm going to quote the same scripture the pastor quoted all day long because, you know, it's just memorized scripture. No, I need you to get it for yourself. I've got like a bunch of scriptures that I grew up in the church hearing and I could sit here and throw at you all day long because they're ingrained in my mind. You can ask an atheist what John 3.16 is, he'll tell you. But it has no life because he has no understanding of it. It hasn't become a part of who he is. I need you to get the word in you so that the word can come out of you. So when the word comes out of you, you hear it again and then believe it again, then speak it again, then hear it, then believe it, then speak it, then hear it, believe it, speak it, hear it, believe it, speak it. Then it becomes this repetitive motion. And all of a sudden you're like, how, how is this changing? How is this happening? Because 
Because when you speak, you create. And if I declare his will over my own, watch what God does. Seek God. Trust God. Let your mouth be changed and declare God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these things that he has for you will come to pass. Trust the Lord God with all your heart. With everything that's on the inside. And then declare him. You wouldn't be okay with people going to hell if you declared God. You wouldn't be okay with pain if you declared God. Fear would no longer exist in your life if you declare God. Stop looking at your lack and look at your fullness. Stop looking at what you don't have and look at the promises you do have. I remember when I was homeless, living out of my truck, I still knew God had his hand on me. Did I complain every once in a while? Yeah, but I knew it was just temporary. Because my word says these afflictions are yet but temporary. This is just a moment I had to walk through. And I'm okay. I'm good. you got to trust God to that level. That whatever you're going through right now, he's still got you. He's not quitting on you. Don't let fear take over.